Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll. Of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, "The spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recover of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free." To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, "Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." As Mia reads the scripture and bears witness to Jesus in her own life, I do need to say that last night, late, I got an email from Mia that her father in China yesterday became a Christian. And after the Mandarin service this morning, a service in which Mia was leading the worship, I saw her on the phone with her father. And so I didn't know what to say as I looked at his face except to say, "Hi, Dad. Congratulations." Thanks be to God that the work that Mia read about just a moment ago is the ministry that Jesus does today. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Would you join me in a prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God? The ministry that you do is not something we simply read about and wish that you would do. This is the ministry that you do today, Lord Jesus Christ. We welcome your ministry. We welcome it not in general ways, but in specific ways. And that for those that you've gathered into this service in this moment in eternity, you will do your work perfectly and personally for the praise of your glory. Amen. The mission of Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we read in the Gospel of Luke, which we're working through, how John the Baptist announced the mission of Jesus. When the crowds who asked him if he was the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, waited for his answer, he said, "I baptize you with water." That is John the Baptist. But one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. From John the Baptist, we learned one way to look at the mission of Jesus is to think of a winnowing fork. In the hands of a farmer, separating the lighter chaff that is easily burned from the heavier wheat that Jesus is both 
producing and then is gathering to himself. This mission of Jesus includes winnowing our lives by the Holy Spirit and by fire, tossing them up so that Jesus might show us the chaff in our lives so that we see our sin clearly, that we see the deceptions of Satan certainly, that we see the ways of the world that have worked their way in us definitely. And then the work of Jesus is to separate that chaff from the harvest he wants to produce in our lives through the Holy Spirit. It is not surprising that when John the Baptist speaks of the mission of Jesus, it led the people who heard to repent, believe, and be baptized. Who can hide from this work of Jesus? Why should we want to hide? As Jesus brings the kingdom of God near, it seems better to repent and believe in this good news. A few moments ago from Mia, we heard in the Gospel of Luke how Jesus himself describes his mission. I want to explore with you what he says about his mission so that you and I might welcome his mission in our lives today, in his world today, whatever your spiritual starting point might be as you come this morning. Jesus speaks of his mission in Luke 4, but is quoting from Isaiah 61, which Luke only mentions in part in this gospel, but was fully in the mind of Jesus. Let me read to you the full quote from Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, so it forms us into a deeper understanding of the mission of Jesus today. We read, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. As we begin, it's important we notice what Jesus says in Luke 4 after reading this passage in Isaiah. He says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. When Jesus says today, he is speaking not only of his mission then, but he is speaking of his mission eternally now. Jesus is saying, in my person, through my eternal mission, in my ministry recorded in the gospel, through my sacrifice in history on the cross, 
because of my resurrection that was real from the dead, my ascension and my present rule with all authority, and through my continued ministry and presence, I am and will bring to fulfillment all that I, one with the triune God, have promised for the creation that I made and that belongs to me. Let me say it more simply. Jesus is saying, all that God has promised, all that God has promised, I, Jesus, will bring to completion. I am the source of salvation. I am the good news of great joy. I am who I am. The Apostle Paul writes of this mission of Jesus today in 2 Corinthians 6 saying, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, Jesus speaks of the mission of Jesus as a mission for today. For now is the time. For example, to Zacchaeus in Luke, a tax collector who repents and believes in Jesus, Jesus said in Luke 19, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. A tax collector? To the thief on the cross who said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke sees that the mission of Jesus is not a mission of the past, but a mission for today, for every generation, for our generation, for today. In Acts 1, verse 1, Luke continues his account about Jesus in the early church, saying, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. In other words, Luke writes the book of Acts to show that the ministry of Jesus continues in the power of the Spirit today in the life of the early church and to our day, to this day, to today. This mission of Jesus is a mission that is real today. It may not have been given the eyes yet by the Holy Spirit to see his mission. But Jesus is working today to fulfill all that God has promised through him. This makes what Jesus says about his mission in this passage really important to understand so that it might be seen by each of us as good news for today. So let's take a look at some of the aspects of this mission that are mentioned in both passages, in Luke and then the quote, from Isaiah 61. Jesus says in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And this leads me to make this comment about the mission of Jesus. It's very, very important to us if we welcome that work among us today. The mission of Jesus is one with the mission of our triune God. It's not three different missions. The mission of God the Father, the mission of Jesus the Son, and the mission of the Holy Spirit. The mission of God is one. There is no division 
in the mission of God. In one of the early creeds of the third century Christian church, as they were rustling, rustling with matters of one God in three persons, a certain creed was formed that came to be called the Athanasian Creed, where the Christian community wanted to be clear that there was no division in God. In one of the earliest statements, the authors write, we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. For the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another, and that of the Holy Spirit is still another. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one. And then listen to this part. Their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal. In the Gospel of Luke, we see this equal glory, this majesty co-eternal, when the Father and Son affirm the mission of Jesus. We read in Luke 3, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were doing the mission of God as one. In my own background, what we are calling this morning the mission of Jesus was often called the Missio Dei, the mission of God. And the following words were added. God's purpose is to reconcile the world that belongs to him, to himself, through Jesus Christ. I remember those words burned within me. I grew up and saw and was mentored by people who poured out their lives for this mission of God, who gave up their lives for this mission of God. Why is this important as we look more closely at this mission of Jesus for today? Let me give two reasons which are very important to say to this community. First, so that we're not divided by our feeble and incomplete use of words about this mission. We come from many different backgrounds. Many of us come from other worldviews. We come from different denominations gathered from different places of the world. So whatever you come from, you'll speak about this mission of Jesus differently. So it's very important that we not be divided in our use of words, but realize that this mission of God is one. But there is a bigger, much more important reason to talk about the mission of Jesus today. And it's simply this that we would join together in welcoming this mission of Jesus, wanting this mission of Jesus, longing for this mission of Jesus, praying for this mission of Jesus, joining in this mission of Jesus. I love how Psalm 67 expresses this longing, where the psalmist says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face shine in us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. 
May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. The mission of Jesus is one with the mission of our triune God. God is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. Let it be so, O Lord. Lord Jesus, we welcome you and your mission here today. There's something else I want you to see in this passage about the mission of Jesus that's so obvious that it might be something that we might miss. And it's this, that Jesus comes to where we are. Look at Luke 4. God has sent me to the poor, to the prisoners, for the blind, to the oppressed. In Isaiah 61, this work of Jesus is expanded. The sovereign Lord has sent me to the brokenhearted, to the captives, to the prisoners, to those who mourn, to those who grieve, to those in ashes, to those with a spirit of despair. As we follow Jesus through the Gospel of Luke, we will see the people to whom Jesus comes. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He comes to people in their darkness. He comes to us where we are, not where we wish we were. People, this is such good news. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, felt they needed to hide from God their sin. Hide from God their shame. Hide from God their guilt. Jesus sees our darkness. Jesus is the light that comes to us in our darkness. By his spirit, he leads us to see his light and then to welcome his light. One Christian hymn puts this mission of Jesus like uh, as to what we've been saying so well. It says, I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew. He moved my soul to seek him seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true. No, I was found of thee. I was found by thee. It comes to us where we are, brokenhearted, captive, prisoners, blind, oppressed, mourning, grieving, in ashes, despairing. This leads to something else to notice about the mission of Jesus in this passage. Not only is this mission of Jesus one with God, not only does Jesus come to us where we are, but Jesus applies his mission personally to meet our deepest need. Jesus does not treat us randomly. He does not treat us impersonally, generically. He does not treat us 
as just one of the crowd, as part of an assembly line, as one of a million tweets. He comes to us personally to meet our deepest need. Look at what Jesus does in this passage. He binds up the brokenhearted. Many of you have experienced this mission of Jesus in your life. He brings freedom for those held captive by sin, by Satan's deceptions, by the world's allures. He brings freedom for those still captive. He provides light in the darkness, in our real darkness. Many of you have experienced that. He bestows God's favor, God's blessings through him, in him, from him. He declares the day of vengeance when he will make all the wrongs right. He is making all things new. He comforts, even sending his Holy Spirit, the comforter, as Pastor Jay prayed earlier. He bestows beauty for ashes, beauty for our broken lives, destroyed nations, shattered dreams, heartfelt, real disappointments. He bestows oil of joy instead of mourning. He bestows a garment of praise instead of despair. This is tender ministry that Jesus does personally in each of our lives. This is long-term, eternal ministry. This is hard ministry that he does not shrink back from. He entered into our suffering that through his suffering, this ministry might be completed in us. I have experienced this mission of Jesus many times in my life. I have celebrated, even in this community, in your lives, this ministry often that Jesus is doing today so personally, so tenderly. Many of us here who are new to Jesus are bearing witness to the beginnings of this work in our own lives. As you heard earlier, this evening we will be baptizing 18 people who were Muslims who now have experienced this ministry of Jesus in their lives. I want to read their names for you now and then tell you the story of just one of them, although I could tell you the story of many because I don't want us this morning to reduce these 18 to a crowd when the work of Jesus in their life was so different, so tender, and so real today. Sarah, Jalal, Marjana, Mesam, Shala, Elnaz, Ali Ahmadi, Muhammad Reza, Nasim, Abbas, Sima, Sayyidisara, Marihosin, Azada, Mojda, different Mojda, 
Ardalan, Bahar Sorabi, and Reza. Over the last weeks, we have been preparing this community to, for their baptism, also uh, have been shaping them through the book of Ephesians. A couple of weeks ago, one woman gave a testimony unplanned to the entire group of those who were preparing to be baptized. She said, I want to tell you, speaking to these 18 people, how Jesus has changed my life. She said, I used to suffer from deep, deep darkness, and I never understood the work of the flesh in me, the ways of Satan in my life, and how the world sought to take me back when I'm no longer part of the world, but part of the kingdom of God. And she said, as I have learned through the book of Ephesians about Jesus, I now am able to see by the Holy Spirit, these are her words in my life, the difference in me of when it is sin that I am able to say no to, when it is Satan and one of the ways he's seeking to work, and when it is something from the world that I need to just simply turn away from. And then she got this huge smile. And she said, Jesus has changed my life. He is my salvation. <laughs> this woman gets this huge smile. <laughs> Last Sunday, we had a number of them that are going to be baptized break into groups of three to practice their testimony from Ephesians 2. The depth with which they spoke of Jesus made me say at the end, wow, those were great sermons. This is the ministry of Jesus. This is the mission of Jesus that we welcome. This is a mission that is not yet finished at this point in the Gospel of Luke. And that leads me to something that Luke understood that those of you new to the Bible might not understand. And that's that the mission of Jesus is fully accomplished only at the cross. Therefore, as Jesus does his work in us, he always brings us not simply to himself, but reminds us of his accomplished work on the cross. When Jesus says today, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. He is already thinking of his finished work on the cross. The good news of Jesus proclaimed was not only in his words, not only in his healings, not only in his deliverances. The good news of Jesus was in his sufficient death on the cross. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 18 we read, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Not it was the power of God. It is the power of God. As Jesus comes to us where we are, as he shines his light in our darkness, as he applies his mission personally to our lives, he always brings us to the cross. Through his sacrifice on the cross, the Holy Spirit reminds us of the good news that Jesus suffered for our sins so that through his sacrifice our sins are forgiven. He died to conquer death and defeat Satan so that our physical death has lost its sting and we are no longer 
need to be held captive by him who holds the power of death, that is Satan. And that he woes to life so that in Christ living in us, we might live now and forever his eternal life. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he presently rules to make all things new. It should not be surprising to any of us that as we welcome the mission of Jesus among us today, that he continues to bring us to remembrances of his cross. For the message of the cross is the power of God. As I prepare to close, I want you to notice one more aspect of the mission of Jesus that is mentioned in Isaiah 61, verse 3, that Jesus clearly does throughout the Gospel of Luke and in the lives of many of us. In Isaiah 61, verse 3, we read that we might become oaks of righteousness, plantings of the Lord for the display of his splendor, which is also the phrase that he might be glorified. Jesus works in our lives to grow us in ways that glorify him. In Isaiah 61, verse 3, he speaks of this with the image of an oak tree, an oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord with his life in us. And as his life matures and grows, as we mature in our understanding of his life in us, our lives start to display his splendor, leading others to glorify him. This growth for the display of his splendor does not mean that we become trophies for people to look at and praise. God forbid. No, for the display of the splendor points to lives that, that point people to look at Jesus, who alone is worthy of honor and glory and praise. Paul says this so well in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, when he writes, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Jesus is doing his mission today. Jesus is doing his mission here. Jesus is doing his mission in your life. He does this as one with his Father, one with the Spirit. He comes to us so we might come to him. He comes to us personally at our deepest need. He is able to do his perfect work because of his completed sacrifice on the cross. He promises to complete his work in us that we might mature as oaks of righteousness. What is preventing you from welcoming his mission today in your life? As I leave you with that question, I've been thinking about that question ever since I wrote it down and added something in the blessing in the last service that I want to add now. What is keeping you from welcoming the mission of Jesus in your life today? I'd like to offer one possible answer that may or may not apply to you, but I'd like to leave this with you to consider. Are you terrified to be 
with Jesus. So I'm recording this service because it's not working up there. This is not my phone, and it's not ringing. I'll just leave it. <laughs> Welcome to technology. <laughs> Are you terrified to be with him alone? I hear some of you talk with me about all the podcasts that you listen to, all the social network connections you have, all the people that you long to be with. But I have found in my own life now for decades that it is essential that I pull away from the crowds and to be with my triune God alone so that he can shine the light on areas of my own despair, of my own joylessness, lovelessness, loneliness, and the list is different for each of us. And that then, in shining that light, that through his word, the good news of the message of the cross might be formed in me by the Holy Spirit. And more, that his life in me might bubble out Enjoy. This past week, I experienced this mission of Jesus in my life. We no longer need to hide behind a tree. He comes to us and invites us to not run from his mission, but to come away with him, my love. Come away with me, my bride. Come away with me that I might make you part of my radiant radiant bride preparing for my coming. Come away with me, Jesus says. Will you come away with him? Stop running. Let's worship him.